You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You're listening to Locked On NBA Draft, and this is your host, Rafael Barlow. Shout out to each and every person that has made Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. I really appreciate it. And in this case, it is your first listen of the week. And what a incredible weekend of college basketball we have had here. But before I get into that, we have a title sponsor. It is bet online and bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online is where the game starts and i am recording this at 11:54 p.m central standard time well the reason i'm recording this so late is because i had to wait until this crazy arizona tcu game ended and i mean it seemed like it was not going to end and I have my man, Stephen Gillespie, who is from No Ceilings, who is actually on Eastern Standard Time. So it is almost one o'clock in the morning. Shout out to Stephen for coming on. It just just shows. That's why I love this whole NBA draft Twitter space. You know, growing up, I always felt like, man, I don't know anybody that loves basketball as much as I do. You know, you have a hard time finding somebody that that like talks in depth with you know just you know not your casual barbershop conversations and and you know on the whole nba draft twitter space you realize like you know what i am you know not so abnormal there are other people who eat sleep breathe this basketball stuff steven is one of those guys and if you noticed i haven't really had a lot of guests on lately because i've been overseas and the time difference has made it tough but steven has always been someone that has supported the show i mean every I promise like every Monday or Thursday, he's tweeting out that he's listening to the Locked On NBA Draft. And I'm not just bringing him on because he supports my show. It's just because I respect his work and what he's doing at No Ceilings. So anyway, I gave this long introduction. Steven Gillespie, what is going on, man? And are you tired from, from watching all this basketball? I know I had to take a couple of naps today. <laughs> <laughs> I went outside to get something to eat with my wife, and I realized, like, man, it is, it's a nice day outside. I haven't been outside in, in days. So <laughs> um, <laughs> how's your weekend? Man, my weekend's been good, Raphael. First off, thanks for having me on the show. It's a big honor. You know, I listen to you all the time as you just spoke on, and you know, try to interact with everybody in the space, but I always pay attention to what you have going on. You know, it's been it's been cool seeing your your international travels and everything like that. And, you know, the the love that you have for the game of basketball, how hard you work, man, it motivates me. It inspires me. And it truly is an honor to be on the show with you here today, man. But but the week has been good, brother. You know, I've just been watching basketball. I have four kids, so I'm always tired. So I might as well wow. watch some basketball anyway, Um, you know wife has been tolerant and patient with me. And, uh, you know, I've kind of explained to her that if I'm going to be covering the draft, like I'm going to have to be paying attention to all these games and stuff, man. But basketball has been fun. It, it, it ended as fun as it started, you know, so far with this tournament. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to talking about these prospects with you today, brother. Yeah. Shout out to, to your wife. I know I have a, a good wife and, and um, it's one of those things where you have to have someone that is working with you when you're trying to cover this whole draft space or even chase 
something that you really enjoy doing because in a lot of times and I and this is kind of off the off topic but a lot of times I think when you're doing something sports related it sounds more like a hobby than a job and I think sometimes yep (laughs) as, as some women not bashing women may not understand like why are you spending so much time watching basketball? That's not sometimes a real job. I feel silly, like explaining it to her. Like, Oh, I had a conversation with some of the guys that I work with and we talked about this. And in my head, it's like, okay, like this is really important. Like we just spent a whole lot of time talking about this, but I'm seeing her expression. And like, you just spent an hour talking about whether a dude can dribble or not. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, that's kind of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I mean, it's it's really important to have like someone that is supportive and that understands and that's like going to work with you. My dad always made the analogy of it's like, you know, if you're riding a, a, a motorcycle and you're, you're leaning. You have to have someone that's going to lean with you. If they're mm-hmm. leaning the opposite way while you're turning the corner, then you're, you're going to be messed up. And so, um, again, shout out to your wife and my wife for, for being supportive. And actually, before I get too far to the draft, I wanted to give a shout out to Chad Ford. Um, it it kind of went viral this weekend that he's retiring and he has tabbed me to be his successor. I'm really thankful. I don't think it's really hit me yet. I, I've known about it a few weeks and uh, I haven't really had the chance to really, really process it. I spent the entire day yesterday trying to watch basketball, but also respond to everybody that was sending me thank you messages and congratulating me. And um, maybe tomorrow I'll I'll have an opportunity to sit down and and kind of process it. Um, I I dropped a little thank you video and uh, said, I feel like Pete Myers (laughs) when Jordan retired or Sadell three, when he had to replace magic Johnson or even like Luca. And so, I mean, I have big shoes to fill because Chad is a legend and I mean, he's done so much for creating opportunities, not only for like me, but just, a lot of people. I mean, me too. Yeah. I you mean, came on my show on kind of like a, if you could interview anybody in the space right now on your podcast, who would it be? And the first person that came to my mind was Chad Ford. And he saw that message. He didn't have to say anything, but him being as good of a dude as I know him to be in my limited interaction with him, he was like, I would love to be on your podcast. And, and he came on draft capital. And from there I had like a whole slew of people be willing to come on the show. You included Raphael. So you know, big shout out to Chad on my end too. Super appreciative for all that he's done for everybody and for you, man. Well deserved. You know, I like I said, you you grind all the time, man. Like one of the hardest workers in the space. Everything that you're getting is well deserved, in my opinion, brother. Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, I haven't had time to really process it. It's it's, it's been a journey, but I'm, I'm thankful for this opportunity, and I just got big shoes to fill. All right, so before we get into the second segment. Tell me, like, which player stood out to you the most? And it doesn't have to be, like, one of the top five guys, but who was the player that stood out to you the most over this opening weekend of the 2022 NCAA tournament? Yeah, I got a, I got a whole list of dudes, and I could be in my fields and go with Benedict Matherin, who just probably had one of the best if not the best performances of the tournament but you can make a case and say it wasn't even the best performance on his team (laughs) yeah I mean you had Christian Coloco had himself a night as well but if I had to say I've been high on Benedict Matherin for a while now but if I had to say a guy who I think is probably more under the radar 
How about Wendell Moore Jr. for Duke, man? I mean, he put up 13-6-6 against Cal State. And then against Michigan State just tonight, he put up 15-2-4. So I think a guy who I have a first-round grade on, mm-hmm. um, who's gone under the radar, I just want to give a shout-out to Wendell Moore Jr. For, for the work that he's put in for this Duke team. Yeah, man, he's he's been he's been doing that all season long. Yep. And he's been underrated. And I just think, like, you know, we're in this weird – space where if you've been in college too long or if you were a guy that was like highly regarded coming in as a freshman and you develop over time in college people are kind of like down on you because everybody's chasing the next big thing but when I look at what's wrong with him right yeah yeah but he's young for his class I, I I made a tweet uh I don't know maybe it was a few months ago and I think there's only like a two or three month difference between Wendell Moore and Ty Ty Washington so Wendell Crazy. Moore is young for his class. Well, I think he's like 20, a 20-year-old junior. And mm-hmm. Ty Ty Washington is a 20-year-old freshman. But on most draft boards, you're going to have Ty Ty Washington ahead of him. While if you think about it, like, all right, if Wendell Moore was 19 playing high school basketball last year, and if he were a freshman this year, he'd be a lock as, as a first-rounder. And, I yep. mean, he's filling up the stat sheet. I mean, I just see him as a guy that has a role in the NBA as this glue guy, connective tissue that does a little bit of everything. He can be your second or your third ball handler. And he just is being penalized for deciding to develop in college instead of in the NBA, which is, you know, it's it's a little weird, but that's just kind of how it goes. But before I get into some other players on your list, and I want to talk to you about Built Bar, and it's that time of year where a lot of people have given up on their New Year's resolutions. I know I have, but luckily I'm overseas and they have smaller portions, so it's kind of helped me out. But if you have given up on your New Year's resolution, but you want to try something healthy, try the Built Bar Puffs. And I don't even know how to really explain it other than the puffs are these protein-infused marshmallow. I mean, they're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. It's not just a protein bar, but it is a treat that is covered with 100% real chocolate. The puffs are a fan favorite. They have some incredible flavors like this yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow. They have banana cream pie. And I mean, they change flavors all the time. And again, I want to reiterate that they are 100% real chocolate covered in 100% real chocolate, low calorie, high protein. They can replace your candy bars. They're better. And I say they can replace your candy bar because a typical candy bar has anywhere between two to 300 calories. And if you go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart, you'll see that the marshmallow, the puffs are high protein, low calories, high fiber, low carbs. Most of them contain about 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Now, when you compare that to a candy bar, it's like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Some of the flavors are mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. There's a new flavor. I call it the Jason Williams, the white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious new flavors coming out all the time. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your next order all right thanks again for making locked on nba draft your first listen of the day now 
check out the Locked On Now podcast. That's nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and it is available wherever you get your podcasts or you can check it out on YouTube. All right, once again, you are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is Rafael Bartle with my guest, Stephen Gillespie from, I call it the No Ceilings Army. Like y'all have put together like this, I don't even know what to call it, man. I guess army is the best word I can think of. I call it a collective, but army, I mean, it makes us sound strong, you know, so I'll, I'll rock with army. Collective, army. I mean, what what about the competitive balance of the, the NBA draft world? Like, you guys are just <laughs> grabbing up all the guys. <laughs> you guys are like Walmart, man. You know, like you're just, you got these, <laughs> these small-time guys, and then it's like, no, nah, I mean, seriously, I, I, I love what you guys are doing. It's, it's, you know, for me, I'm, I'm competitive and I've mentioned it before in other podcasts, mm-hmm. like a competitive space. And it's like, all right, dang, I had this article that I wanted to do. And then bam, somebody from No Ceilings came out, did a similar article or made a video. And either way, I mean, like if the way I see it is if I'm in my mind competing with you guys, it just makes me better because iron sharpens iron and Mm. the people who love the NBA draft are going to have, I mean, they're just going to have so many different options of, of great draft content because everybody has their own little flavor or or personal spin to it. So um, again, congratulations to you and and every, everybody at at no ceilings right now. Thank you, man. That means a lot. Oh yeah. You guys are great. You guys are great. And I love the fact that even though, at least in my mind, maybe you guys don't see it this way, at least in my mind, you guys are competitors. But at the same time, it's a friendly competition. We can be on each other's podcast. All love, man. All we love. Don't, yeah, there's no fighting. Like I, I have some people that like, I literally think they comment on my tweets just to argue. And I've realized, like, you know what? I just got to stop responding. Like, I mean, there's water off a duck's back, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's one guy, he doesn't follow anybody. And all he does is, you know, if I say, I don't know, John Doe is a potential prospect. And then he comes with, well, he is ranked such and such on my board. And he (laughs) is this. And I'm like, come on, man, we're just having fun here. But anyway, um, who else stood out to you this weekend? Like you you mentioned Benny Matt, who uh, I am a Blazers fan. And with, one of the two projected picks that I think the Blazers should have in the first round. I'm like, it's going to be tough for him to not be in a Portland uniform. And I, and I think that he's ready to come in and contribute right away. So um, mm-hmm. I would like that pick. Um, who else stood out to you? Yeah, man. So I got, um, we already talked about Benny. We talked about Coloco too. We touched on him as well. I like Malachi Branham, what he did at coming out of Ohio state just this year kind of riding that upward trajectory. You know, a lot of people coming into the season, myself included, didn't really have high expectations for him. Comes into, you know, the tournament and puts up 14-5-2 against Loyola, and that's a very tough team. Anybody that watches college basketball know that that's that's an impressive performance for a freshman. And then he follows it up against Villanova, albeit in a loss, but he puts up 23-2-4. So I really was impressed with him obviously playing alongside a guy like EJ Liddell, you can kind of look at it either way, right? Like that takes pressure off of him, but it also takes opportunity and possessions away from him as well. So the fact that Ohio state trusts a freshman to kind of go and get his own, um, earn his spot on that team 
and go up against a well-coached team like Villanova and put up 23 points, like that's no small feat. He didn't look, you know, uncomfortable. The moment wasn't too big for him. And again, even though it was a loss, you still have to kind of weigh that as like, okay, he's a freshman, really isn't even supposed to be doing what he's doing right now for this team. And he did it. So I was really impressed for him. And then the last guy that I'll touch on real quick, Raphael, is just Blake Wesley. One, because I haven't really been that high on him coming into the tournament. But I'll, I'll give him a little bit of love. You know, against Rutgers, that was a tough team. He put up 8-6-1. and one. Against Alabama as an underdog again, he put up 18-1-1. One and one. In the loss against Texas Tech, it wasn't pretty, but still a lot, of, a lot to like. He put up 11-8-3. I don't know if he even knows what his jump shot is going to look like as a finished product yet, but I like him as a guard defender. His awareness on the floor has actually been pretty impressive for me as well, and that's coming from someone who was a little bit down on him. I had him in, I want to say, like the 30th position on my 3.0 big board, and then on my 4.0, I kind of dropped him a little bit. And I also, just real quick, Raphael, want to give love to Paolo Boncaro, a guy that I know that you have been touting to potentially be the number one pick. And I'm I know driving that you're that bandwagon. I'm driving, driving the bandwagon, man. <laughs> and he put up a double double against Cal State Fullerton, which, okay, you know, you might argue that, yeah, he's supposed to do that. But against Michigan State, he put up 19 7 and 4. The fact that he's spreading the ball around, the fact that Coach K is wanting the offense to kind of run through him as a facilitator of sorts now, the defense. It bugs me because I feel like sometimes he wants to get beat intentionally so he can get an opportunity for a chase down block instead of just like straight up contesting a shot. Maybe that gets fixed along the way, but there's no doubt about how talented of an offensive player that he is, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Ben Carroll guy. We'll, we'll save that for the last segment, but I want to talk about Branham. And uh, he's someone that, you know, he came on a little bit late, didn't have all the hype coming into the season. You know, I can think of a few guys that were higher or they had higher expectations just in his own conference. Mm-hmm. And similar to Blake Wesley, I mean, these are two guys that weren't on anybody's list as guys to watch as one and done first round picks. And I mean, they have outperformed their their high school rankings. And the funny thing about Branham is, yeah, he's a freshman. He does not look like a freshman, I'm not saying that he looks no. old. <laughs> but just his style of play, he doesn't have the freshman body where you're like, okay, if he can put on 10 pounds here, mm-hmm. he looks mature. His game is mature. Like he has the old man game already where it looks like, you know, like when you go to the Y, the hoop, it's the old man that has on the sweats. He has yep. the gym bag with the icy hot in it. And he's just efficient with all his moves. He's not like, doing anything crazy he's just yeah, it's like the game spot. is moving around him yeah you know? and and Branham just gets to his spots like he does not waste any movement I mean you can almost say that he's gonna put the ball on the floor twice and he's going to get to his spot just has the old man pull up and I had tweeted that he reminds me of Chris Middleton from the size mm. to his ability to just like I said get to a spot pull up over the top of smaller defenders. I think he has a little bit more playmaking skills than Chris Middleton had at the same, uh, at the same stage. I mean, Middleton was like a second round pick that kind of bounced around, but I like Branham a lot. He wasn't someone that was high on my radar coming into the season. And I think that he's played himself into a first round 
you know, to be selected in the, selected in the first round. I haven't done a, a big board or a mock in a while. And now I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be like 30 guys that I keep or maybe like 35, 40 guys that I'm saying <laughs> first rounders. So somebody that's the funny thing that. about the draft is, that uh, you know, you, you want to put 60 guys in the first round conversation and at no ceilings, we actually mock Branham to Denver. And I fell in love with that fit. I could just see him thriving in a system where he's playing off of a playmaking blit big, like a Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's almost like with Jokic, any player, unless it's a center, <laughs> True. you're like, that is a great fit. If it's a combo guard that is a scorer but doesn't excel at distributing the ball, you're like, oh, yeah, put him in Denver. If it's a mm-hmm. great cutter that plays with a lot of energy, you're like, okay, put him in Denver. If it's <laughs> a spot-up shooter, you're like, okay, put him in Denver. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, you know, when you have your foundation laid down, mm-hmm. it makes it so much easier to draft around. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a, a great a great fit in Denver. And the crazy thing is if he ends up falling to, like, late first round, ends up going to, like, one of these good teams like Denver mm-hmm. – I see him as someone that is ready to come in and contribute like right away. So I actually like that fit to Denver. All right. When we return, I want to ask Steven, I'm so glad to have a guest on. I have not had a guest on since I left for overseas. So I've been talking to myself <laughs> when I record these podcasts. For like the been last doing a good job months. though, man. You've been holding it down with yourself. Thanks. Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, I, I get up and I'm like, I'm just talking to a computer and this imaginary offense. And I, I mean, imaginary audience. I'm, I'm tired. It's 12.15 and I got to sound you, energetic. <laughs> All right. But when we return, I'm going to put him on the hot seat and I'm going to ask him out of the top three or maybe four guys. Most people say it's a at best it's a four man race to be the number one pick who has helped himself the most this weekend, even though. You know, it's not, you know, you don't always want to like put too much stock into a, a NCAA tournament game. But before I get into that, I want to talk to you about bet online. You know, college basketball season is obviously up on us because that's what we're talking about. You know, for the latest odds, contests, and player props, bet online is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. And it remains the best spot. BetOnline is the best, absolute best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it is not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering informational needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today and use, or I'm sorry, or you can use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. And that is because BetOnline is where the game starts all right again rafael barlow nba draft junkie steven gillespie from no ceilings and draft capital or i don't know if you're still doing draft deeper now i'm actually co-hosting draft deeper with uh nathan on there so a lot of stuff been going on the last couple weeks and something had to give just it was easier for me to transition but you know nathan he's a great dude and co-hosting with him is a fantastic opportunity so i'm happy to be a part of that as well yeah, again, the no ceilings army. <laughs> so I'm in the same situation as sent. I mean, I'm taking over the newsletter at Big Board and the, and the podcast coming up soon. And then I still have NBA Draft Junkies, which is my baby. Like, that's something that I started from scratch. Mm. And it's kind of what got me here. I plan on keeping it alive 
especially when I'm getting the notifications that my site is getting like thousands of views every day now. And that's just because we're getting closer to draft time. So I, I've got going to figure out a way to balance both. Um, and then I know like I, you know, the YouTube is kind of what I made a name for myself. And then now they're kind of like flagging my videos. So I think I'm just going to put all original content on there. So I have a, a video, a vlog from my travels overseas that I'll probably drop maybe, maybe Monday when this airs or maybe Tuesday. So I'm going to again, put some original content on there. And I plan on getting heavy in AU again. So I'm going to like start projecting guys. So anyway, all right. Out of the guys that are projected as top four guys. So, I mean, it's in in no particular order, but we talked about Ben Carroll, Chet Holmgren, um, Jabari Smith or Jaden Ivey. Who do you feel like helped themselves? And I feel like no matter what, those four are going to be your top four. Now it just, it's an acquired taste of who do you think is number one, but who do you think had the best weekend? I mean, if you're taking all games into consideration, I think Paulo Boncaro had the best outing, right? Like you could argue that Chet, his, his matchup against Memphis was fascinating to me, man, because it's like, Everybody who wants to harp on, you know, his build or how physical he is or whatever, they got a little bit of victory in that game. The people who want to say that, like, well, he's super skilled and the skill is going to win out, they got a little bit of victory in that game too, right? So him matched up against Dern, anybody who wants to say, oh, well, he got dunked on by Dandridge or, oh, you know, he gave up a lot of rebounds to to Jalen Dern, you can also say, well, he also blocked Dern several times and he made great plays and actually took Duran off the dribble. So that matchup was pretty interesting. I don't know if I walked away any more um, confident in my takes. It, it just was kind of like a, a steadfast thing for me. And then you had, you know, Jaden Ivey. He he had a good first game. He didn't have the best second game until like the last two minutes of the game where he actually won his team the game, right? So that performance was okay. And then Jabari Smith, he started out really hot, and then he played Miami and kind of flamed out a little bit. He got a double-double, but it wasn't the most efficient of scoring nights for him, and Auburn was sent packing, right? So I think if you take all games into consideration, I think that bandwagon that you're pushing, Raphael, is getting a little bit more momentum because Paulo, you could argue, had a strong first game and actually got better against better competition. So if I'm weighing it as to who's better in terms of the tournament weekend, right now I think you got to go Paulo Boncaro. Yeah, you know, I'm a little biased. And so I, I felt like I really put my myself out there as, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to make it seem like he's under the radar, but, you know, it seems like it's mm-hmm. really a two-man race on social media between yep. Chet and, and Jabari. And my thing is like, do we not forget what Paolo did against <laughs> Duke and Kentucky earlier in the year? I think he just got off to such a, a hot start. And then, I mean... I don't know. I mean, I guess he's just not the sexiest pit, sexiest. I, I just disagree. I mean, I, I think that he's going to be better in the NBA with more spacing and actually may have a, a, a you know, a, a more, more opportunities to play with the ball in his hands. I feel like today he showed his court vision and the passes. I think he had four assists, but I can name like one that kills dropped and yeah. got an offensive rebound. I think there was another one where he put the ball in, 
just hit Williams in his hands. And I think he caught it and kind of loaded up and ended up getting fouled. Now the turnovers were concerning. I think he had like seven turnovers over the weekend. Um, yeah. And then when you talked about his defense, I think it's, it's like the, I call it the LeBron where you're just like, okay, I'm gonna let this guy beat me. And you try to beat it off the glass, which works on the high school level. It doesn't necessarily work that well. And, you know, again, in college and it probably won't in the NBA, even though he did have like a game clinching block. I don't know if it was the exact, you know, play that clinched the game for sure, but I feel like it was a momentum changing block. And mm-hmm. I was even shocked that Hauser was like, yeah, I'm going to take this guy off the dribble. <laughs> like, I'm like, dang, this this dude been reading draft Twitter talking about Ben Carroll is a terrible defender and he felt confident that he can take him off the dribble. So again, I'm, I'm biased. I thought Ben Carroll had, uh, you know, he, and he showed up in the clutch. That's, yeah. that's the thing that I like. And so my concerns about Chet are, like you said, and it was, it was funny. And I, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that felt that way because when I was scrolling down Twitter and I like to just type in a player's name and just read the takes <laughs> and it was 50, oh 50, it was literally like, like, Oh man, this is why I don't like him. He's too skinny. Yada, yada, yada. He struggles with physicality. And then it was like, this is why I love him because even though they tried to like pick on him and attack him early in the game, he responded with four blocks and he showed his toughness. He's a competitor, you know, like that's the thing. And I'm of the mindset, Raphael, that too many people operate on a scale of one to 10, either at one or 10, like they, they don't operate on that in between. And I think it's okay to say that, Yes, Chet is very skilled, and it's also okay to say, huh, you know, he did give up a lot of second-chance opportunities to Memphis in that game, which is part of being a good defender, right? So I think that it's okay to to kind of point at both of those things. And it's funny, though, because people will argue against you one way or the other, no matter, like, how level-headed you're trying to approach that conversation. People will be like, don't talk about his weight, or people will be like, Let's only talk about his weight. They, you know, yeah, there, there's yeah. no middle ground in there. Yeah. And I think Gonzaga's getting to the point now with their success that people are starting to either like them or dislike them. I mean, like Timmy, for example, he gets picked apart <laughs> every game. And I remember like watching the first half of the game and you're seeing on Twitter, this is how they lost to Baylor last year. You know, he struggles against athletes. You put some athletes against him, he's going to struggle. And he came out in the second half cooking. And Punch Texas, them in the mouth. Yes. Yep. Texas has good athletes and he gave them 37 earlier in the year. All right. Now, as far as Jabari, now I, I here's my take on Jabari. So okay. before the season, and I, I know it, it's late, it's almost 1:30 where you're at. So I'll make Bro, this I got quick. all day for you, brother. You're good. <laughs> okay. So when I first saw Jabari in AU, my notes said this is Channing Fry 2.0. All I saw him do was shoot threes, never saw him in the post, never saw him like running the floor. I just saw a guy that shot threes. Then I watched him this year and he's gotten stronger. He's definitely gotten stronger. I've seen him post up some and he's a much better shooter than I thought. I thought he was just like a spot up shooter, pick and pop guy. I mean, he's shooting off movement. He's shooting pin downs. He's like got a little bit off the dribble. But one of the reasons why I have been hesitant to say that he is the best player in this class is because I feel like if I'm going to take a guy number one, Mm -hmm. I want someone who I feel like I can give you the ball 
and you can go get me a bucket. And one of the things I'm kind of iffy on about Jabari is I feel like he's best when he's set up. I don't think you can give him the ball and say he's going to get you a great look or draw a foul. And I felt like some of those weaknesses were on display against Miami because, Mm -hmm. I mean, there were, you know, he got a shot blocked three times. And it was like if he got the ball in an isolation situation at the elbow, he was not even thinking about putting the ball on the floor. It's like he gets it and he's in this triple threat position and he's going to shoot this contested pull-up. And I thought Miami had a great game plan of don't give him space and see what he can do as far as putting the ball on the floor. And that's my biggest concern about Jabari is I feel like if I give the ball to Palo, I know with his ball handling and his strength, he mm-hmm. can at least play bully ball. I know if you send the double, even though Jabari had four assists in both games, I feel yep. like Paolo is a playmaker. And I think in today's NBA, if you're going to be a good scorer, you have to be a really good passer. When you think about the best passers in the NBA, whether it's LeBron or Luka or Trey Young, they're good passers. Uh, even Jason Tatum is making the leap. Embiid is a good passer. We know Jokic is, is, is a great yep. passer. So I feel like if you're going to be a, you know, a one or two option in the NBA, you have to be a playmaker. And that's why I'm so high on Ben Carroll. Even though Jabari has, you know, like I said, four assists in both games, I don't think he's on that level of a playmaker or someone that I feel confident is going to get you. He can get an easy shot. What were your thoughts on the, the Miami game? And even though, you know, you don't want to say one game is, you know, going to overshadow the great season that he had, but what are your thoughts on that game as far as like concerns or if, is it just, you know, I'm just overthinking it. I don't think you're overthinking it. And I think anyone who has Paulo Boncaro as their number one guy, you're going to be right year one. I don't know if year one is even going to be something that you can measure up this class as a whole yet, because I think with guys like Chet, and a guy like Jabari, you kind of have to have like a five-year plan for those guys, right? And I think that with Jabari, the thing about the Miami game was is that you're 100% right. Like everything that he's deficient on was highlighted in that game. Like it, it was a very well-scouted game on Miami's part. But Auburn's spacing and their guard play hurt them tremendously. Yep. And Jabari's just not ready yet to be a, I'm going to isolate and take you off the bounce player. I think that he can potentially grow into that because if you watch him, and I was fortunate enough to watch him live uh, when I traveled to South Carolina to watch him play against the Gamecocks, he does work on that stuff, and it is something that they are trying to emphasize with him. But he has improved on that over the year. I'm a big in-season improvement guy because, to me, that speaks of your work ethic and your character. And just watching him, he has like these intangible qualities that I liken to, you know, players like Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kevin Garnett. I'm not saying that play style wise, he's going to match up to those guys. But in, but in terms of, you know, drive, motivation, wanting to improve, I think that he has that level of, you know, of development in his path. And when you have that matched with already probably going to be one of, if not the best shooter in this class, particularly at his position and probably one of the best defenders in his class too, right? I think that there are weaknesses in Chet and Paulo's game to where you can look at Jabari and say, he's good at these things already at such a young age. Like he is a true blue freshman as well. 
So I think that the learning curve, the, the um, development trajectory for him, that's what you have. That's what you're betting on. If you get a Jabari Smith, it's not like which guy year one is going to come in and be the best guy, because I don't know if anybody's really going to argue with you that Paolo would be that guy, but then you got to look at like, okay, by year five, by, by age 24 to, to 27, like that window, who's going to be the more talented, more productive player. And I think that that's where people are putting their, you know, Jabari Smith Jr. eggs into that basket. So I, I agree with you 100%. And I think that to me, Paolo's weakest area on offense is the easiest to improve. Mm-hmm. Three-point shooting, that's that's the biggest area and maybe making quicker decisions. I think to me, those are easier areas to improve than to make Chet more aggressive on the offensive yeah. end or put on enough weight where you can give him the ball in a post or turn Jabari, who to me is always going to be wired as outside in. Yeah. And I also feel now I don't want to compare Paolo to Luka Doncic, but I'm starting to feel like we're getting the same stuff we heard from Luka as he's going to win rookie of the year. Now he has the body. Now he's this and that, mm-hmm. but what about upside? I remember like, even after his rookie year, people kept saying, well, he's already who he is. There's not yeah. much more that he can improve on. And I think Paolo might be getting a little bit of that because he's so good early. You can't say, oh, well, you know what? If he gains 10 pounds, he's going to be this. <laughs> or if he, you know, I think because he's so polished early, I think yeah. he's getting penalized for it. And I would say, like I said, it's easier for me to get him to work on his outside shooting in a summer and become a, 36, 37% shooter from three than it is for Chet to gain weight. And I think with Jabari, and I, I struggle with this sometimes, and I mean, like, he was one of the guys, uh, Damian Collins was someone else. I struggle with, all right, I want them to be who I want them to be as opposed to who they want to be. Yeah. And with Jabari, I feel like, even though the game has changed, and this is another bad comparison in a sense, I feel like when Dirk first got to the league, he played outside in. But then he became... He played a lot of three for Dallas. Like, a lot of people yeah. don't remember that. You know, that's yeah. how crazy the NBA was back then. Yep. And he didn't reach, like, this certain level until he played inside out. Mm-hmm. And I think that in order for Jabari to maximize his potential, I think he's going to have to play inside a little bit more you know, established early in the game, like, cause he has an unblockable fadeaway. It's almost like LaMarcus yeah. Aldridge in a sense, or, or Rasheed Wallace. And, uh, you know, I know post plays isn't, isn't like, you know, that much in the NBA, even though I think it's going to come back, but I think it's, if he's having a little bit of a resurgence a now, bit, I mean, yeah. if you're watching, yeah. Yep. So I think if he is a guy that you start off the game, giving him touches in, in, in the post where he can face up or he's got the turnaround, and then you start working your way out, then I think he can maximize his potential. But if he's going to be someone that's going to shoot 45 or 50% of his attempts from three, then I mm-hmm. don't know if he really maximizes, you know, who, who he can be. So that's, we got to see what he looks like out of Auburn, because I mean, if you got him, him and Kessler in there and the guards that they have, I mean, the, the floor spacing on that team is not very flattering if Jabari Smith is taking shots inside the paint. Well, and that's what I feel like about Bancaro. 
because That's Mark Williams is, yep. is not a floor spacer. And then you can say the same thing about Chet because Drew is, is not a floor spacer. So I think, you know, it, it's similar with all of them. And even Jaden Ivey, he definitely doesn't have any floor spacers <laughs> in, in, in his bigs. Nope. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they all play with NBA spacing. Well, man, I thank you so much, man. I know it's, again, it's, it's late. I appreciate you coming on. But before I go, I want to tell the audience about the Locked On NBA podcast. And Locked On NBA covers the top stories around the NBA. It's every Monday. And every Monday through Friday, they get it done in less than 30 minutes. It's sufficient. It's just covering all the top stories. And now we are getting closer to the playoffs. So check out the Locked On NBA podcast. And it's on YouTube. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, Stephen Gillespie from... We got draft deeper, no ceilings. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's all. Okay, that's it. That's it. <laughs> For now, we'll see. One, we'll see what happens. One, one of my favorite guys in the whole draft Twitter space um, works hard, and I mean, you know, I think that's even an understatement. He has four kids, and he's he's working his butt off producing great content. So give him a follow. Actually, you know what? Where can the audience follow you if they're not already following me? Well, yeah. And again, Raphael, thank you. You know, this is a, a bucket list thing for me, being able to come on your show, man, and, and chop it up with you. This was awesome. But, you know, I'm most active on Twitter. You can follow me at Steven. That's with a PH. So Steven G Hoops. Um, you can read my work at NoSealingsNBA.com. And you can listen to the podcast that me and my co-host, Nathan Grubel, run together called Draft Deeper. That's anywhere you get your podcast. You can go look up Draft Deeper. And, you know, we, we got weekly articles coming out all the time, like pretty much almost every day of the week. My uh, Sunday article that I kicked off is called The Weekend Warrior. It's kind of like a week that was type piece that I have going on. It debuted today and it's got a lot of good reviews. So if you if you're listening to the show, odds are you're an NBA draft junkie, huh? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. NBA draft junkie. Uh, you can go and get a little bit more of your fix. Um, listening to Draft Deeper and going over to No Ceilings. But Raphael, man, thank you again. Um, you're a gracious host. It was a lot of fun. You know, I'm going to come knocking at your door again to try to try to do some work with you here soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you said it was a bucket list to be on my show. Uh, well, you, you can uh, check it off because you're going to be on often as, as we get closer to the draft because I mean, we got a few more months and, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like and you, I'm sure you can relate. We've been talking about these guys since like September, and yep. now everybody's <laughs> going to start listening. So it's almost like you gotta, you know, bring up old takes from from back in September and October because this is a time where, where people start to pay the most attention. But man, I, I appreciate you coming on. And anytime yes, you want to come on here, you're you know you're you're welcome. Then we'll definitely do doing more stuff in the future. Again, it's Rafael Barlow, NBA draft junkie, Stephen Gillespie from the No Ceilings Army and Draft Deeper, and we are out.